Welcome to Michael's Record Collection, Episode 11. I'm Michael Citro, and for this episode I spoke with singer-songwriter Laura Mead. Laura is best known for her work with the progressive rock band Is. When the pandemic halted progress on a new Is album, it left a window open for Laura to write, record, and release her second full-length solo album, following up her Remedium release in 2018. I spoke with Laura about the making of her new album, The Most Dangerous Woman in America. I enjoyed learning about this record, its themes, and how it was made, and I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Here we go. All right, welcome to another installment of Michael's Record Collection. I am joined by Laura Mead, who has a new album coming out on Friday the 21st, and will eventually be joined also by John Galgano. They are probably pretty well known from the band Is, but Laura's got a solo album uh, coming out, and um, we're going to talk about it this week. And Laura, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So this uh, is the second Laura Mead solo album, but you did have like a couple of singles or like maybe an EP out before that. Is that right? I had an EP out in 06, I think. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to, I wanted to get into like just the, the germination of this album and how it came about. When, when did you start to really fully think about this album or, or recording an album? And, and then when did you really know what you wanted to say with this album? This was such an unusual album born from such an unusual time. We didn't have plans to do another album for me, um, maybe, maybe two years from now, maybe three, because we had a lot set up um, for Is for in 2020, which ended up not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the initial depression and I don't want to create anything. I don't want to do anything. That was on my end, especially after that kind of, you know, past. Um, then it was such an organic thing. I usually for, well, for Remedium from my first solo album, I wrote everything. Everything was written before we even stepped foot in any sort of studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just here, we're going to learn these songs, do these songs. I knew them all by heart and we're going to just record it and put it out. And this album, so strange because we didn't, we didn't go into it with like really any thoughts or any ideas at the beginning of like what it would be. It was just kind of like ideas were flying around John's head, my head. And we just kind of said, let's just give it a shot. Let's just get into the studio and kind of see what comes as we're recording it, as we're doing it. So it all just kind of, it, it appeared as we were doing it, which was totally um, unusual for me that that's never happened before. Mm-hmm. And you said even that it started out and the album's called, by the way, the most dangerous woman in America. You, it seemed like you started out with a with one individual in mind, but then it became about everyone or or all women that that um, you know have had their voices silenced. How did that How did that kind of change? Do, do you remember a certain point when that became uh, clear in your mind that that the the direction was going to change a little bit? Yeah, it did start out. The inspiration was specifically one woman's story, and as we were kind of getting into it, we thought, well, let's not do specifically like 
we're going to tell this person's story because it is so applicable to so many people. Everyone has a story or everyone knows um, a story of someone who was silenced for speaking their truth or just completely forgotten by, by society um, for, for no reason. And so we were going along with that thought. And then as we were getting towards the end, it was like, oh, huh. We still wanna let people think what they will because I think that's so beautiful about music in general that you can bring yourself to the music. Um, and when someone doesn't tell you, this is what it's about, you tell you what it's about. And I think that that is amazing. But there is, there is a specificity to it that is definitely a driving force for me and John. Um, and more perhaps will be revealed as we get further along, closer to the release, <laughs> which is two days away. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, did you learn anything from, you know, making Remedium that you took into this into this album like like were there things that you look back on the first album and said oh i wish i'd have done some things differently or or maybe some missteps that you took and, and had to correct that you said okay going into this album we know not to do that or or is it just because you've been doing stuff with is for a while that you really already had this down that's there's part of that especially i think for john um i can't speak for him but i think that he has more I don't want to say it's a well-oiled machine, but he, his experience is just, it's kind of seamless. Um, for me, Remedium was totally different. Even my EP that I did back in 2006, it's a blur. I don't rem I remember doing it, but it just seems like, oh, six, that was a million years ago. But Remedium, I did learn from Remedium that while your music is precious to you and your creations are so, they touch your heart and you hope that they touch someone else's heart, um, that sometimes you can't be so precious with what you give to the world because you're creating and then you're giving it away. So there's not, there is, there's room sometimes to just be a little too controlling and precious and this is what it has to be and sound like and specifically, but sometimes you gotta let, just let go mm -hmm. and let it happen. At some point you, it's not yours anymore. It belongs to everyone. Exactly. Got it. You and John co-wrote the album. Did, was there a certain way that the writing was split up? Was it uh, was were were the lyrics split by both of you? Was the music split by both of you? Was it one doing one, one doing the other? How did that go? Much like the the weird way the album kind of came about, the collaboration was totally different than anything that we had even done before. Um, as I'd mentioned for Remedium, it was like these are my songs. Add stuff to it, please. And he did. And it was amazing. And he, this, what he contributed to Remedium just made it, it was here and it, it just brought it here. Um, with the writing of this album, it was the strangest thing. It was just, we'd get into the studio and just go back and forth and, and just throwing ideas out there and to the point where we listened back to something. We're like, who wrote that? What was that? I don't, I think I wrote that line. I don't know. <laughs> it was such a, the like de dictionary definition of the word collaboration. Mm -hmm. um, 
So it's almost hard to piece it apart because John wrote lyrics and music. I wrote lyrics and music and it just kind of came together. You've said it here. You've also said it on a, a short video on the website. You want the listeners to come up with their own ideas about what the lyrics mean. I have to ask you anyway. Who is the most dangerous woman in America? And and <laughs> and with a title like that, also, why is so much of this album Franco-centric? There's, there's a lot of French, um, you know, influence throughout the album. Who is the most dangerous woman <laughs> in America? Well, she is the <laughs> she's the reason this album was created. She she is the forgotten woman who whose story needs to be told. And we hope we're doing a, a good job of it. I don't mean to sound cagey or coy, but <laughs> I don't want to give too much away just yeah. yet. You're holding a little something back. I get it. I had I had to go for the exclusive though, you know. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Two points for trying. All right. <laughs> Would you describe this as a traditional concept album or more of a thematic album uh, something with recurring themes like uh, like musical theater type of, of thing i would say it's definitely more thematic there are beautiful lines that show up and then interweave through other passages it's yeah it's definitely um yeah <laughs> sorry i lost my train of thought um yeah thematic for okay sure. See, the reason I ask the question is, um, you know, that has an opening track, which is a very, very short mood setting opening piece on the banks of the Seine. It was like, um, oh, it reminds me of uh, Momentary Lapse of Reason by Pink Floyd. Sort of has that same, you know, watery feel and, you know, mood to it. Um, but uh, then it, you know, jumps right in. I, I will say that there's, for Is fans, this doesn't sound like an Is record, but it does have is-ish moments in it. There's one keyboard flourish that I, I can't, um, I couldn't remember. It's, it's on iMove. It's the exact same sound, but I can't, I can't place what song it's from, but it's in um, one of, it's in the, it's in the title track, The Most Dangerous uh, Woman in America. Um, maybe you know the one I'm talking about. Can't, I don't know specifically, <laughs> but I will say there is an is flair to this album. Um, and that speaks to uh, the contribution of Tom Galgano, who mastered this album for us, or I'm sorry, mixed this album for us. And his additions are just these beautiful little cherries on top of the Sunday because mm -hmm. it just, everything he sent back to us was just like, Oh my God. Yes, of course. Of course. So, so it's, and it's, yeah, it has that little is hint without being like, that's an is song. Wow. Right. Right. The, um, the keyboard solo in, in burned at the stake is, is one of those really great Izzy moments. And, uh, just, um, that's one that just will bring a smile to all is fans and, and probably anybody that listens to the music that maybe are not familiar with your, your regular band.
decision. Well, let's just go through the the, the players here: Tom Galgano, keyboards and production; Brian Karelian on uh, uh, V drums; John on bass. Of course, he co-wrote the album. Uh, this is a lot more electronic sounding record than Remedium. Uh, was there an effort at updating the sound to something more modern? I think that that sound could definitely be um, attributed to the restraints that we were under, the what we had to work with. Um, we recorded this album throughout 20. So there were restrictions were changing and we had to kind of just go with what was being handed to us um, and work within those parameters. Mm -hmm. So um, the electronic part um, definitely speaks to a more, um, I don't want to say easier, but a more contained use rather than like setting up a drum kit and having all of these, you know, live instruments that you love to have, but sometimes if you can't, you find other ways. That makes sense. I was because I was going to ask: Is this, um, you know, Brian's known for being the electronic drummer? Uh, when Greg DiMaselli is, uh, you know, the more regular acoustic drummer, and, and I wondered if that played into Brian being on the album, Greg not, or if it was just availability or that kind of thing. It's definitely availability. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, there's no, um, there's no Brems on this album either. Hmm. Again, availability. We don't we don't live um, super close to anybody, John and I. <laughs> so um, everything takes a trip. And given certain parameters, everything kind of was like, well, can we responsibly socially distance to do this? We have to do it one person at a time. We have to make sure that we are making this fit in to like societal norms and our own time frame. Right. And, and you know, everybody's different comfort level with, you know, interacting uh, during this very strange time in our lives. Completely. For sure. Um, yeah, it, it it also seemed on this album like you were more willing to show off the the power of your voice rather than how delicate you can sing, where I think Remedium was a, a little bit the opposite. Was that intentional or was that just the way that the songs came about? It's interesting that you noticed that and mentioned that. Um, like I mentioned back in the beginning of 2020, it was just your hit with like, the world's changed and what does that mean for a performer at all? And where do we go from here? And there was depression. There was what, what are we doing and why are we even doing it? And are we, we're not even doing it. Mm -hmm. um, so what do we do? And so for some months I wasn't singing, I wasn't finding joy in singing um, cause there was nothing really to sing for. And then I found then I, I kind of came out of it and was like, no, no, I, I sing. That's what I do. I love it. And I found a new voice teacher. I was like, I think I could use like just a little, a refresh, just a, a jump start. And I need a new vocal coach to help me with that. And I found the world's mo most perfect vocal coach. And thanks to all of this, um, these Zoom calls and everything, she's in California and I never would have found her had it not been for the pandemic, because then she opened up her practice and said, well, Zoom calls for anybody. So I do Zoom lessons with her. Mm -hmm. She really 
helped me to discover just a new part of my voice that I never really even knew that I was kind of scared of, that I never knew was there. I was very comfortable with the musical theater, lyric soprano, light stuff. And I, I know that, that's where I kind of live. Um, but the, the lower, stronger um, singing was completely new to me and frightening, but fantastic to just explore. Mm -hmm. So you found a way to push your boundaries a little bit. Uh, do you want to give uh, give your vocal coach a shout out? And yeah, give some props? Mia Milan. Mia Milan. She's <laughs> just, and she helped me specifically. Um, so she, we were working on my voice, just finding my own voice again beneath the layers of like so much. Um, but then once we got to recording specific songs, she would help me work on specific passages from specific songs on the album. So there are just certain parts that were very difficult for me, or I just didn't know how to place it or how to find what it should even really feel like. Mm -hmm. And she just, I would play her this, the track, you know, the mix that we had, and she would just hone in on like, maybe try this. And it was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, because I, I, that's one of the things that stood out to me. Is I, I know from your previous work, you know, you do a very good job with the delicate stuff, the ethereal stuff. And here it was this, you know, this powerful voice coming out that I, I you know, I, it wasn't that I didn't think you could do that. It was just that I hadn't heard it before. So I, I thought that was an interesting, um, you know, new wrinkle on your work. And I think that it fits with the music very well. So um, you went for it, you, you, and you, I think you achieved something there. And I, you know, you, Sounds like you surprised yourself a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Some of these lyrics are just so interesting and so cool. I really like the um, can't find quiet in a quiet place, uh, which recurs uh, from Burned at the Stake, and it, it appears later again in uh, the title track. And, um, and how you play with that at the end uh, or, or that line work becomes um, where, you, where you go burned at the stake, burned by mistake. I really, I really enjoyed the way that that kind of played throughout. Was Do you remember if that was one of yours or John's? That was one of John's. That was one of John's. I, I think that might have been one of the one of the first lyrics that he wrote, uh, the first uh melodies he wrote and you know i think john is a, a brilliant lyricist a brilliant composer but then there are just times where it's some of the stuff he does hits me and i'm like whoa like <laughs> that's that's amazing and i i think i'd mentioned this uh somewhere else that just that kind of obsessive compulsive meditative like 
can't find quiet in the quiet place, quiet place, quiet place. It just kind of keeps, it's kind of calls to, to mania and it kind of calls to just like, um, like I'm looking for it, I'm looking for it, I can't find it, I can't find it. It's just, I feel like it's so evocative. I really like the turn of phrase, the shape of shock. The shape of shock is worthy of a face, just the type you'd like to see erased. History. that mean to you the shape of shock to me it means like the way shock hits you kind of in a the way it hits you in a visceral way what it makes you like the shape that you take um I don't know if that was the original intention. That's another John Galgano line, <laughs> but um, that's my interpretation of it. And uh, it's a great line. It's great. It's a great line to say too, because the shape of shock for some, I don't know. I think the shock, we don't say that word very much. Maybe we do, but it feels like a little foreign, a little like, oh, it feels shocking. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, it's an interesting turn of phrase and it's, it was one of those ones where I just, I read the, I was reading the song titles before, you know, I was probably still listening to the first song, Leaving, which is, uh, you know, really um, probably one of my favorite tracks on the album. But um, I'm reading down through the the title titles of the songs and I said, and I just started to say the shape of shock, the shape of shock. And then it's like right there at the up front in the song too. And it's like, that's a really cool turn of phrase that, I, I was really interested to find out where that came from, but uh, wherever John is right now, maybe he'll, <laughs> well, <thank you. laughs> yeah, maybe he'll come in and tell us. You mentioned this dark place that I think everybody went through in 2020 to some extent, where you don't, you don't have enjoyment, you don't really feel like you're living. You're kind of holed up in your house. Uh, maybe you go outside, but you try to avoid other people. When did you feel that? Or, or see that light at the end of the tunnel to where you started to turn the corner and to say, I have to start, um, you know, I have to keep living. This is 2020, but I have to keep living despite what we're going through and, and get back to some kind of, you know, enjoyment in life. I think for me, it was definitely, um, 
this, 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 this. There were days where it was like, okay, we're going to be okay. This is going to be all right. And then all of a sudden for no apparent reason, except for that it was what it was, <laughs> we were where we were, that it was like, no, it's not going to be fine. It's, it's, it's never going to be fine again. And so it, it was, and I think still remains this roller coaster of like, we're going to be okay. This is going to be just another, I mean, it's going to be like the hugest thing that happens in my lifetime, but we're going to be all right to like, this is the worst. And I don't see, I don't see how we're going to, you know, go back to normal, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think is, I don't think that's a, a correct phrase because I don't think that exists, but, um, but there are, there are still days of like, oh, it's good. No, it's not. Mm, we'll see. And then, then creating through that, creating in spite of that or creating along with that, because there were days where it was like, why? Why would we do this at all? And the, those are the days like when, when you do kind of manage to fight through that and you manage to get to the other side of that, you're like, okay, okay, well, I, I did that. So I guess I can do other things too. Yeah, I, I started with a lot of retail therapy. <laughs> For me, it was getting on websites and buying box sets and 5.1 surround uh, discs of my favorite bands and spending a lot of money that <laughs> was probably not the smartest thing to do. But I needed to, I, for me, I just, I needed to feel good about something. I needed to have some enjoyment and I wasn't getting any enjoyment from day to day. So I wanted to bring enjoyment to me. Mm-hmm. And that's the outlet that I found. So yeah. um, it, it, like I said, it, it hit everybody similarly, but everybody kind of reacted in their own way. It was it, something hopefully nobody will have to go through again for another at least 100 years. Exactly. <laughs> Tell me about the artwork uh, for the album, the the concept of it. And, and I'm not really sure, like there's a picture of you with your, you know, you had changed your look for, you know, for the video or maybe even before that, I'm not sure. But, and then there's these sort of bright lines I'm not really even sure what they are, if it's just a, a, a photography trick or what that is. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so the the photo shoot happened first. The photo shoot, well, the photo shoot happened in um, October. Mm-hmm. And then we did the video in January, February, something like that. But the, the photo shoot happened before we really had an idea. Again, this is all a very oddly out of order album it was like let's just get the photos done let's just do the photos so that when we are done with the album we will have them so there was this kind of again this unknowing like well we'll see what kind of comes um those lines are a photography trick it is i think it's called light painting i might be wrong on this okay it's where you i know nothing about photography but something about the shutter speed and I'm still, but there's light behind me. And when she moved the camera, something about the shutter speed caught trails of the light rather than solitary. Mm -hmm. And is it just that you liked the photo or was there a a purpose uh, that it represents on the album? I like the photo. And I think it also 
it does um, represent a bit of the album. I think as far as when you're talking about a woman who has been silenced and who has been forgotten, to have this visual representation of like, not the full face, not just like, like for Remedium, it was my face head on, there you go. But this is, it's, it's interrupted. Mm. It's a little cut off. And I think that that speaks really well to the whole album. Do you have a favorite? I know it's like picking your favorite child. Do you have a favorite song on the album? Oh, it's really difficult. It, it's very, very difficult because um, they all just bring me such, they all bring me to such a place. They, I think I have the album right here so I can look at the names of the songs so I can remind myself. Because that's a thing too, when you're recording this and you're recording it out of order and it's like, oh, let's do this song today. Let's do that song. Let's add a little more here. Let's, we have to write a lyric for this part of this song. And when the songs also do have recurring themes for the likes of me, it's like, oh, I thought was, that was burned at the stake. No, that's the most dangerous woman. Oh, okay. So I still have a hard time keeping it straight. <laughs> What's in what song? I... Okay. I was about to say one and I was like, no, no. I love Shape of Shock. I love Shape of Shock. I love what Tom did on Shape of Shock. Just those beautiful, huge, bombastic sounds that just kind of like jar you and they're like, whoa, what, what the heck is that? Like, oh my gosh, the Shape of Shock, what? That I think is amazing. Um, the last song, Tell Me Love. Love that song. Don't believe my biography. It's just gossip, a ghost of me. It saves time, prevents us from thinking. Small town, the girl next door. Anonymity to glory, Lord Saves time, prevents you from thinking What should we do? Give in or stand fast record vocally that was one of the more challenging this was a challenging album to record as we mentioned before <laughs> um but that was a i think i also had a very hard time um because we had recorded everything else and we had one more song to go and in my mind i'm like oh yeah one more song to go and i think i had something that was like a wall put up like if I don't finish this song, then we're not done recording the album. And I guess I just didn't want to be done recording it because we would go in and I wouldn't be happy. 
and we'd go in and I wouldn't be happy. And I'm like, okay, I have to stop. I have to stop. We'll come back tomorrow. And it was definitely this kind of emotional block of um, just not being able to just give it what it needed to be given. So that, that song really, it's, it's, they're all close to my heart, but that one really. It sounds like this, the, the making of this was extremely cathartic for you. Is, is, was it the same way for, I, mean, I know you can't speak for John, but do you feel like it was the same for him? I think it was, I think it was, because unlike me, John is very, um, he, he's a go-getter and he does things and he gets stuff done. And you, if you want something done, you ask John and it will get done. Um, as opposed to me, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll take care of it later. <laughs> um, and maybe it'll get done. Maybe it won't get done. When we discovered this concept, um, it was like, like a fire had been lit in him and he was like, okay, let's find everything out that we can. Let's write all the time. Like he, he was on it. He, he was all about this. And I think you definitely was a part of like, okay, well, this is an insane time. And we had a lot of things lined up that are no longer lined up. Let's get shit done. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was the first song that you finished? Hmm. What was the first song that I finished? I think it was either, I think it was Burned at the Stake. It was either Burned at the Stake or Leaving. Back against the wall, kind of had no choice. I knew it would be right. I knew it would be I know it's still a little bit crazy in the world. Is there a chance that we'll see Laura Mead live shows to, yeah. to support this album? Definitely. Um, in whatever capacity we can, we're still, we're, we're talking to people and we are trying to figure out what, um, what is possible. Um, there's nothing on the books as of yet, but I sense that that's going to change pretty soon because I am just itching. I'm itching to perform and I'm itching to perform this. Like, yeah, it's gotta happen. Mm -hmm. And it really deserves its own space uh, and not as a uh, throw a couple songs into an is set. You know, it's mm -hmm. it really deserves to be out and, and showcased. Have you already talked to the guys about, you know, they're going to come out and support you live and, you know, the Galganos and, and Brian. 
we've spoken to, yeah, to just a little kind of like a uh, couple shooting a couple texts here and there, like, okay, what about this? What about that? Um, we're thinking of, because it is such a thematic album, because it is a little theatrical in that sense, um, that it sort of, it sort of begs to all be performed as a piece, as mm-hmm. soup to nuts. That's the, that's the gig right there. Start to finish the whole album. Yep. All right. Yeah. Maybe take the stage during that, uh, on the banks of the sand plays and you come out and yeah, I could see it. <laughs> um, speaking of the guys from is, uh, what is next for is? Is, is, is recording is, was recording even before the pandemic. Um, so the pandemic has, um, changed that obviously because there's no, there's no getting together. There's no, um, or the, there hadn't been, um, you know, brainstorming sessions and just kind of like jam sessions and figuring stuff out together. Mm-hmm. But even though that's not happening, there is, there's recording going on behind the scenes. There's, there are definite like steps being made for the next is album. That's good to hear. So we'll, we'll, we'll be on the lookout for that uh, too, as, uh, as things start to open up a little more. Uh, is there, Laura, is there a place where fans can buy the album where it is more beneficial to you? In, in other words, you see a bigger cut if fans buy it from such and such an outlet? I'm going to say Bandcamp. Bandcamp is uh, a great outlet for us. I'm looking on my CD to see the Bandcamp. It is actually the ismusic.bandcamp.com. And I'm the album is in there, so that that would be a a preferred method. But you know, it's everywhere. It's sure, Apple, sure. Amazon. As long as they get it. But I, I like to. I mean, there there are people out there like me that I think would like to see the uh, the artist get more of it and the large corporation get less of it. Appreciate it. Is your Thank work? You. <laughs> you did a lot more than they did. <laughs> <laughs> To, you wouldn't think so, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to make this happen, uh, yeah. So um, that's great. Um, did you have fun making this album? I did. Um, it was like I mentioned. It was fun. It's always fun writing and recording with John. We just we have a great time. Um, we're really good collaborators. It was at the same time difficult and. You know, when I when I look back, I wonder how I will look back on the the recording years from now because it's everything we look back on now, you know, ten years in the future, it'll be oh that year and then the thing that we did mm-hmm. rather than oh that thing that we did and it happened to be in nineteen ninety nine or whatever. Um, so I do wonder what will how those will kind of balance out, like if it's if the Paul of twenty twenty. Not to say great things didn't come out of 2020 as well, but 2020 being what it was, will it soften in memory? We'll see. Yeah, it's, it casts a, a really big shadow that that year will. And, and with the pandemic and everything else that happened, it was just um, it was it was just too much. Just. No yeah. more of that. No more yeah. of that, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, someone buys your album. They bring it home. 
put it in the CD player, sit back, relax, listen to it with headphones maybe, or just cranked up really loud. That last song fades out. What do you want the listener to come away with after that experience? I want the listener to come away with just knowledge of this, just to remember this person. Again, trying not to be super cagey, um, but there are so many lives, right? Like, there are people, there are tons of people, celebrities and, and regular old Joes that we know nothing about and we'll never know anything about. But when your attention is called to a person's struggle and their story, I hope it resonates. I hope it gives them something to really think about maybe Google, um, Google's your friend, and just, just honoring a life. I have to tell you, I, I Googled the title and it was turning up so many crazy different things. Typhoid Mary? That was one. Um, Lizzie Borden was one. Uh, and then there was just like a whole, a whole line of, you're just famous women right. throughout history. And I was like, it's okay. So let me try to figure this out. So now I'm going, who was known as the, and, and, <laughs> and it's not helping. It's turn, turning up the same kinds of things. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure smarter people than me will have figured this out by now, but, um, I, you know, one day, just the French thing just kept throwing two names, which one of them was Joan of Arc, who never came to America, and the other was Josephine Baker. So these were two names that kind of came came up just from the lyrics, just you know, sort of picture in my head, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, you know, like like anybody else, what the lyrics mean to me, there's an initial impression, and then over time that'll change, and then I'll I'll settle into an opinion. I haven't heard it enough to to settle into that final formulated opinion, but um, I think I've heard it about eight or nine times, start to finish, and it's it is an intriguing album. I think I think is fans will like it. It's not it's not is it's different from is, but I think it's it, there's some DNA shared there. So I think there'll be some things that they can like. Um, was there anyone um, that you were listening to that, that influenced the music side of this album? I was listening to a lot of Radiohead. Um, it just kind of, you know, when you, when you're in your car driving around and since we have no CD players in our car anymore, you have to kind <laughs> of, I do a very archaic thing at I don't, my, my phone is plugged into my Bluetooth, but I still have to like manually choose what I'm listening to because I don't have fun things to say, play this. Um, so my default was kind of was just mix some Radiohead up, please. Um, in addition to, um, I think it, it spoke to the, the, the weird feelings at the beginning of the pandemic, just like, what am I doing? Who am I? This is ridiculous. So I was listening to a lot of like ambient music, a lot of um, meditative chanting mantras. Um, so that that intermixed with Radiohead birthed this album. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. 
anything else you want to tell us about the uh, the record before we call it a day? I mean, I, I know this is a, a this was a, represents a, a lot of work on your part and on John's part and and you know the other guys from is that that participated. It was a, a time consuming thing. It didn't. It, it came it was this this was like I think what like five or six months that it took you guys to put this together. I think it might have been like eight or nine months, something like that, maybe a little less. So yeah. there, there must be some feeling of relief to get it out, but also probably at this point when we're on the eve of it being released, maybe a little concern about how it's going to be, you know, received. I mean, do you have all of that going on right now in your head? All of it. <laughs> all of it. There's definitely, um, I think it's, it speaks to the fact that we've not been doing performing we've not been in the public eye as much and it, mm -hmm. it feels new again all of a sudden um it doesn't feel like oh here we go doing another album cool um so it is definitely for my part um there's a level of like being seen that i'm not used to that i'm usually used to so that feels weird for me to um to kind of be a little nervous about being seen. album Laura Mead the most dangerous woman in America that is not you you're not the most dangerous woman in America oh there was one out uh one other thing I wanted to ask and I think I don't know if I need to ask John this but he's not here he's not here I know I'm sorry the, the no the the uh that's okay I, the the Facebook thing he's he's repeatedly said he can't name the title of the album on Facebook what is going on with that good question um it's because we are ruled by the bots and the bots will pick up the words that they pick up and they will censor you because you've used them and we can only we don't know for sure because no one will tell us but i think dangerous and america being used in the same sentence throws up a couple of red flags and then um the song being called burned at the stake also, uh, I don't think they like that, but I think it's more the most dangerous woman in America that they they do not like us and they are trying to shut us down, which I feel like is it's horrible because we are trying to promote what we do, but it's also kind of perfect because this is about a woman 
silence being silenced yeah able to get her unable to live her life because of <laughs> oppression and because of maybe you know bots trying to censor her facebook <laughs> <laughs> here in 2021 can't you can't make it up it's uh it's just a great microcosm of what you're trying to say so it really is Laura Mead, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, where can people find you? You mentioned your Bandcamp. Where Where else can people find you online? You can find me at my website, lauramedmusic.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Facebook, um, Laura Mead Music. And uh, yeah, those are the places you can find me. All right. Well, good luck with the album. I know it'll do well. You should be very proud of it. And uh, it, it was lovely chatting with you about it. It was a great time. Thank you so much, Michael. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon at patreon.com slash michaelsrecordcollection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening. <laughs>